If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Vital Dawn podcast for Friday, July 10th. S&P futures are trading off about 15 points. That is about 50 basis points. The major European indices are trading up about 10 to 20 basis points, so up small. Asia finished in the red across the board. So there are region-specific narratives this morning um, that you know I think are very notable. There's not really kind of one sweeping global theme. It's very regional. So in the U.S., you know I think the outlook remains bleak. The COVID crisis continues to metastasize. You have transmission numbers that remain extraordinarily elevated in many, many states. A lot of people have been dismissive of that throughout June and throughout early July because you were not seeing hospitalizations and fatalities increase commensurately, that is changing. Hospitalizations have been rising now for the last several days. And unfortunately, you are seeing fatalities increase as well. You are not going to see hospitalizations and fatalities get back to where they were in March or April because the healthcare system is better equipped to manage this virus. Um, and you are seeing the average age of the of your patients in a lot of these states is, is skewing younger than had been the case in the Northeast. Nevertheless, you are going to see both of those statistics increase. You are also seeing high-frequency economic data indicators start to stall, suggesting that the the extraordinary recovery that you saw off of the March and April trough for growth, that is starting to plateau and reverse. You're not going to see a complete reversal, but nevertheless, again, we've had several, several weeks now of improved data on, on the growth front from on, on, on government statistics as well as from corporate tone. And I suspect you're going to see that begin to change. You're already seeing it in the high-frequency data. It's going to take some time to show up in the government statistics. Remember, a lot of the June numbers we'll be seeing from the formal government numbers are, are relatively stale. The government statistics are not accurately capturing what's occurring in the economy, just given how rapidly things are moving. Um, but you, it's safe to say you are seeing a stalling in the economic recovery. Um, you know, other than the airlines, you haven't seen a lot of companies really call out a shift lower in demand. Although, like I said, I think that will change going forward. The Fed balance sheet is beginning to shrink. Um, you know, a lot of that is a function of a lot of these emergency tool, a lot of the emergency tools that they deployed during the heart of the crisis. Uh, demand for them is waning, and that's positive in that it suggests market functioning is more normal. But stocks do pay a lot of attention to the size of the balance sheet, and that is starting to plateau as well. You still have this fiscal cliff coming up. There's been a lot of talk this week about the the size and scope of the upcoming fiscal bill that will pass by the end of July or early August. There will be additional consumer payouts. You will see an extension of the federal unemployment benefits, I would imagine, but not at the same $600 rate. And there could very well be another round of one-time stimulus checks, but again, not, not to as many people as before. So you are going to see a step down in the amount of fiscal stimulus that is being injected into the U.S. economy. Political change coming up in November, um, you know, I... Biden's policy platform certainly is not what Warren or Bernie's would be, um, but he is calling for some pretty meaningful shifts in policy um, versus where things stand right now. So I think you are going to see, based on where everything is heading, 
um, seismic political shifts in November, plus you have elevated valuations. So all those things in the U.S. just paint an unappealing risk reward outlook. Um, you know, I know bulls will continue to point to Amazon vaccine on the Fed, and all those three things are certainly tailwinds. And that is why you're not going to see an enormous drop down in the market. You're not going to get anywhere close to where you were back in March. Nevertheless, you know, I still think that you are above fair value in the S&P. A EPS number for next year of a, in the low 160s um, is not conservative. And an 18 times multiple on that, which also is not conservative, that gets you to around fair value of you know 2,900 or so. So not much below where we are presently, um, but still downside risk. Europe is a different story. In Europe, you are successfully containing the COVID crisis. You are not seeing the numbers increase anywhere near the way they are in the U.S., the region is, is, like I said, managing its crisis much better than the U.S. You continue to have growth improve in Europe. Valuations are cheaper than they are in the U.S. And you have stimulus that is just as intense as it is domestically. And you have a catalyst coming up where you have this summit next week, 17th and the 18th. European officials hope to reach a consensus around the $750 billion stimulus fund. You actually have some remarks on the tape right now as we speak as um, an European official is making some tweaks to the initial proposal to help overcome opposition from the quote-unquote frugal four countries. So that is coming up next week in Europe. Um, so that justifies European outperformance. Now, Europe does not have the, you know, the super cap tech giants that the U.S. does that have been you know, so important for U.S. stock outperformance. Um, but fundamentally, at least, the outlook is better than it is in the U.S. at lower valuations. In Asia, you know, the big news was you had the Shanghai Comp that ended lower. This is the first time the Shanghai Comp ended lower since June 29th. Not much to read into it. Um, you know, you did have you have the Chinese state media, you know, pouring cold water on the rally to an extent, just urging caution and prudence. Um, you know, this has been now two days in a row after Chinese state media had been stoking the rally for, you know, over the last several days. And then you also had some reports of Chinese state controlled funds booking profits. Um, and selling into the recent rally. So not, you know, hard to read too much into China. I know on Monday of this week, people came in and said, China's up, therefore the US should be up too. Um, you know, that was relatively shaky logic. And, and, you know, I think the US is now kind of looking inward. And like I said, you have kind of these regional narratives that um, I think people should be focusing on. So that's really it. In terms of major incremental news for today, there is not much other than just, you know, a lot of COVID commentary, numbers, statistics, et cetera, um, all of which are negative. Um, and that was essentially, you didn't really have a lot of big earnings reports. You didn't have any major pre-announcements, relatively quiet on the eco data front, relatively quiet on the monetary policy front. And the calendar for today is very sparse. There's essentially no scheduled events on the US calendar um, for Friday, but next week obviously is very busy. So you have the start of earnings, you have a lot of Chinese economic data, um, I have previews for everything in the Vital Dawn this morning. Um, and just circling back to the US again, you know, just one other thing to note on, uh, you know, yesterday in particular, the, you know, the S&P ended in the red, but I really did not tell the full story of what occurred beneath the surface. So you still have this unbelievable, remarkable strength in these super cap tech names that people just are pouring money into, you know, in this market, momentum is a virtue and, and higher, you know, higher prices seem to be get higher prices where people are, are chasing momentum and that's clearly happening and the gains are real. Um, but you are seeing just awful price action in, in very economically sensitive, very kind of very important groups as far as signaling is concerned. Banks in particular, the KRE, the regional bank ETF, 
um, is close to breaking below, or it's close to its its March April lows. Ten year Treasury yields are close to breaking below the March April lows. You have industrials that trade very poorly. So a lot of these groups that are very tethered to core underlying economic fundamentals are trading um, extraordinarily poor, um, and that's being masked by what you're seeing in Amazon and Tesla, et cetera. Um, but I think you know from a signaling perspective, Bank of America. The BKX, those are much more important in terms of gauging the underlying economy than Amazon is. So I, I would encourage people to kind of look at those names rather than um, you know what's happening in tech or the overall headline tape. So that is everything for today. Thank you for listening.